Well, thank you, Peter, for reading. Let's pray and then we'll dig into this uh, first of these five questions and ask why make disciples. Our Father, may you, as the one who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may you equip us with everything good for doing you will and may you work in us what is pleasing to you even right now as we watch this, even right now as we think about this, and even afterwards as we seek to put it into practice. And this we pray for the glory of your name and of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, why make disciples? That's the question we're looking to answer in this sermon. And I guess if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you'll think, well, that's not really a very difficult question to answer. Indeed, there's a five-word answer to it, because Jesus told us to. And you would be absolutely right. You only need to turn to Matthew chapter 28 to find the answer. That well-known passage which reminds us of this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there it is in black and white from the mouth of Jesus. Go and make disciples or as you go, be about making disciples. So the first answer to the question is the very straightforward one because Jesus told us to, because the one who holds all authority commands it and we are to be obedient disciples of him. Now, in many ways that would just do as an answer, but of course, you know, you know the Bible says more to, more to answer this question. I mean, in God's kindness, he's given us more than just the command. He's given us the whole Bible. But let's take a few minutes to zoom in on two passages in particular, the two that were read before, to get a full-orbed picture of what God is doing in the world and what he wants us to do too. So why make disciples? Uh, the answer comes in two parts. First of all, number one, to glorify Jesus in the praises of his people. That's what that section in Revelation 7, 9 to 17 shows us. It shows us that Jesus is the king. Verse 9 says he's on heaven's throne. And his kingdom is obviously a global kingdom because he has zillions of people around him from every nation. And he is praised for that. But secondly, Jesus is also the lamb. Verses 9 and 14 both say that. And when you read about lambs in the Bible, of course, you don't think cute and springy. You think, oh, oh you're going to die uh, because lambs were sacrificed. They were substitutes. That's what this lamb Jesus did. He died for the people gathered around him. And uh, verse 14 links their presence around this throne with the blood that he shed on earth. We've been thinking about this in our Revelation series, of course. And verse 10 tells us explicitly what this blood achieved. Verse 10, start, uh, verse 10 says, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation is ascribed to him and he's glorified for it because the very gathering of these people around his throne is based on him, Jesus Christ. He's praised for that. Salvation is what they enjoy. Salvation is what he has procured. Thirdly, 
what does he receive as a result? Glory. Jesus is glorified. That's the point of verse 10 as well. All the credit, all the glory, all everything belongs to him. All thanks go to him. Their salvation is attributed to him and they're not mistaken because all of heaven joins in uh, by saying, Amen. They agree. Now, this is nothing less than a picture of God's great goal for all things. To glorify his son, Jesus, in the midst of the people that he has rescued and saved. Now, we're going to build a picture of disciple making over these five sermons in terms of a graphic. And the first frame is a picture of the end. This is the end point for us. This, this is where we're headed. It's a scene promised and pictured again and again in the Bible. Gathered around Jesus' throne, praising him as those who have been saved from their sins. So why make disciples? Well, we make disciples because this is what God is doing. God is redeeming a people for his son to bring him glory. This is where all of history is headed. So that is our goal. Now, God doesn't just want us to know that. He actually wants us to live in the light of that, to live with this as our goal. Uh, and I guess you could say that that really does clarify and simplify things for us. No more melodrama, no more chin rubbing wondering, what is life for? And what does God want me to do with my life? Well, it's this, it's this. It's, it's work to help more people gather around that throne and live in a way that shows that you're looking forward to. The question is, is this what we're living for? If it's not, then, <coughs> excuse me, it may be time to realise that nothing else compares to living for this. Um, we have in this picture something greater than ourselves to live for. We have something more than just the accumulation of stuff to aim for. And we have something longer than a mere lifetime to invest in. So let me ask you, as I have been asking myself, is this how we're living? Is this how you're living? You know, it, it can be hard enough to live like this when things are normal, but how has even lockdown affected you who live for uh, who you live for and how you're living. Lockdown hasn't been good for me. Without the means of grace that is the meeting of the church, my soul for sure feels drier, my disciple-making focus a bit more blurry, my heart colder. What about you? Forced isolation, social distancing may well be justified in preventing the spread of a virus, but we must ensure that it does not stop the spread of the gospel. It mustn't stop us making disciples. God's not cancelled it. God's not put that on hold. That's why even now, as we emerge from lockdown, we're encouraging you to join us in praying that we regain our focus and live for the glory of Jesus with this future gathered around Christ's throne in white hot worship. With that in mind, that's how we should live. Well, that's the first reason for making disciples. Here is the second, and it's linked. It's to rescue people from darkness. And that's what we find in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. This passage tells us, where the, where the Revelation passage talks to us about Jesus, this 
passage talk to us about the people and what does it say? Well, it says people are in darkness. People are in darkness before they meet Jesus. That's why they say he has been, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That's where we all were before we came to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's not often how it seems, of course. Uh, the people of this world would probably say, what? I'm not in darkness. I'm, I'm pretty educated. I'm healthy. I'm peace loving. You know, I'm the kind of person who's quite nice to neighbours. I give to charity. I've stopped using plastic bags and those kind of things. But, but people, all people, the people we know out there, we, us, before we came to know Christ, we are blind to the darkness that we're in unless someone opens our eyes and sheds some light in our situation. But it's not just them. Uh, even Christians like us can forget that people without Christ are in darkness. So we end up living without a sense of urgency to tell them. And we live like their lostness isn't that big a deal or else oh, there's plenty of time to deal with that at a later point. And we either leave them to their darkness or, even as we looked at in Titus at the very start of our service, there is a potential to say yes to ungodliness and rejoin them in, uh, in their darkness. Now listen, we know, we know in our heart of hearts, we know because the Bible tells us so, this is catastrophic consequences on our disciple making. It stops us doing it. Uh, have you noticed that before? Now, that's what it does when all's well. But again, applying this in our particular situation, can I ask, how much have COVID restrictions impacted on our disciple making? We've been separated from people we were bringing to church, meeting for coffee, talking about Jesus. Some of us have done a great job of keeping in touch by phone, etc. They're the first person, people we contacted um, when the restrictions started to lift. But what have we done? We can't let anything get in the way of those relationships and those connections. People are in darkness. But the reason why we make disciples the reason why we get in touch is because of what else Colossians 1 13 and 14 says it tells us that people are transferred from darkness to light they are indeed rescued or saved from the darkness and brought into the kingdom of the sun as the 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 diagram illustrates now this is what God has done for you believer this is what he's still doing today God is rescuing people from darkness he is rescuing people from every nation by spreading the news of Christ's salvation and shedding light on their predicament and shedding light on his cross. And, and that's because that's what Jesus came to do. Uh, as Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. That's John 12, 46. But how does he do it? Well, how does God transfer people from their darkness and bring them into the kingdom of the son whom he loves. Well, he does it through people like us, through believers. People, Christians, are employed in God's rescue mission. God employs all he saves in disciple making. And I stress, all. Now, in their book, Marshall and Payne say that one of the biggest problems that we face when it comes to disciple making is that so few are hard at it. 
Uh, so few are doing it, having been saved. And they quote William Booth's famous and rather shocking allegory called A Vision for the Lost. And um, Booth says, I saw a dark and stormy ocean and over it the black clouds hung heavily. In that ocean I thought I saw myriads of poor human beings and I saw out of this dark angry ocean a mighty rock that rose up with its summit towering high. And all around the base of this great rock I saw a vast platform and onto this platform I saw with delight a number of the poor struggling wretches climbing out of the angry ocean. And I saw a that a few of those who were already safe in the platform were helping the poor people still in the angry waters to reach that place of safety. On looking more closely, he said, I found a number of those who had been rescued industriously working and scheming by ladders and ropes and boats and other means to be effective to deliver the poor strugglers from the sea. Here and there were some who actually jumped into the water, regardless of the consequences in their passion to rescue the perishing. But as I looked on, says Booth, I saw that there were occupants on that platform who were, they were quite, they were quite a mixed company. That is, they were divided into different sets and they occupied themselves with different things. But only a very few of them seemed to make it their business to get the people out of the sea. Well, it's a stark picture, isn't it? But it's designed to get us thinking and it's designed to bring conviction. Like I said, that's what it was, that's what it's like in regular times. But how much has COVID restrictions on church life and gathering it with it um, and, and with it are spurring one another on towards loving good deeds? That's what happens when we gather. How has this mission of rescuing the lost, of employment in his service, been impeded? Has COVID made us like those on the platform occupied with very different things and not the people in the sea? Well, God is transferring people from darkness to light. That is his business. He is gathering them around the throne of Jesus Christ and white hot worship and praise in the future. And he is using his obedient church to speak this news about Christ's death, resurrection, reign and return to transfer more. And that's what God is doing. The question is, are we obeying him and being used in his service in this way? Half a million people in Edinburgh are still lost in darkness. No church family, no Christian. No, we can't, no Christian can afford to allow anything, not even COVID, to slow that down or stop that. There's no furlough for disciple makers. If you're listening to this or watching this today and you're not a Christian, I, I hope you see in this God's great heart for you. It would have been easy enough for God in his incomparable glory to not want us. But he chooses to save us. He chooses to set his love and his affection on us. He chooses to bring glory to himself by saving us from our darkness. Now that's what you're in. Why not talk to a Christian friend or get in touch with us here at the church at infocharlottechapel.org if we can help you think that through more. We'd love to read the Bible with you and show you what it says. We have another life course coming up in the next few weeks which tells us, which helps to explain the very basics about Christianity. To call it a course 
is to go a step too far. It's a very relaxed gathering online to listen to some presentations of the gospel and to see what you think about it. Why not get in touch and consider it? But for us as a church family, why make disciples? Well, if we want more than just the because Jesus told us to answer, how about this? We make disciples because God's goal in all of history is to glorify his son in the midst of a people he has rescued from darkness.